Welcome. This is Anastasia Glova bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Be sure to log on to our website, www.cato.org, for a full archive of our podcast as well as many other audio offerings. Earlier this month, French protesters took to the streets, marched to a police station, and turned themselves in for committing a crime, playing songs purchased on iTunes on devices not named iPods. While these music enthusiasts certainly displayed a flair for the dramatic, their public confession touched on an important point of protest. Can government pass laws enforcing compatibility of music across devices and restricting individuals from circumventing protection measures? Timothy Lee, editor at the Show Me Institute and author of the Cato study Circumventing Competition, The Perverse Consequences of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, offers his comments today. Why are music enthusiasts in France turning themselves into the police? Well, the protest is about a technology called digital rights management. If you buy, say, a song from the iTunes Music Store and you download it from the Internet and you can play it on your computer with iTunes or you can transfer it to your iPod, but there's no easy way for you to transfer that song to, say, a Dell or Sony MP3 player or to play it on other software, like any sort of Windows-based Windows Media Player software, for example. And the reason is that this technology called digital rights management software, which is theoretically supposed to be an anti piracy measure, but it has this unintended consequence that it creates a lot of interoperability problems between different devices. And it's not just music. You have the same problem with, for example, DVDs. There's no legal way to transfer a movie from a DVD onto, say, your iPod to watch on the road because this digital rights management software has scrambled the DVD and you need to be able to unscramble it. And the reason it's illegal is a law that was passed in the United States in 1998 called the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which prohibits what the act calls circumventing digital rights management technology. The protest is about the fact that this law is preventing people from making their devices interoperable. But what does product and platform compatibility have to do with protecting digital media copyright? That's not a direct connection between those two, but the thing that they're complaining about is that they're worried about a future in which digital media technologies are balkanized into incompatible platforms. So you either have to buy all Apple hardware, you have to buy all Microsoft hardware, or all Sony hardware, and you can't mix and match as we're used to doing. With older technologies, you could buy a TV from anybody and a DVD player from everybody and expect them to just work together. And they're worried about the freedom to have their devices interconnect with each other being taken away by laws like the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. And in particular, in in France, there was a 1996 treaty signed among all the signatories to the World Intellectual Property Organization. And under that treaty, member states are required to implement laws like the Digital Millennium Copyright in their own countries. And so in France, the corresponding legislation was enacted recently, and so that's specifically why they're protesting. Well, that just smells like a measure intended to stifle competition, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a serious problem with the DMCA. Now, there's actually two parts to the French version of this law that I think have unfortunately been confused, and I think it's important to keep them separate. One approach that the law took is the one that I think had a lot of criticism for libertarians, which is this mandatory interoperability between devices, where a judge could order, say, Apple to share information about its technology with competitors in order to allow interoperability. Now, I think there would have been a better approach, a more deregulatory, more libertarian approach, which is simply to leave reasonable exceptions to the anti-circumvention rule that would allow 
companies to do reverse engineering on their own so that they wouldn't be able to force Apple to provide information to them. But if they could study the software and find a way to make their product interoperable without the help of the incumbent, that they would be permitted to do that. And that's very difficult to do under the existing laws that's written in the United States. And the French law has some provisions that are slightly more liberal than in the United States, but it's still rather restrictive. And so essentially what the problem here is that instead of fixing the bad law that was causing the problem in the first place, they've added another layer of regulation on top of that that I think in the long run is not going to solve the problem. So do I understand correctly that users of music purchased on iTunes can't listen to it on, say, Windows Media Player or Jukebox? That's right. There's no easy way to do it. You could burn the music to a CD and then rip it back into Windows Media Player, and theoretically then you could listen to it. But there's no straightforward way. A piece of software that simply took your iTunes library and converted it into Windows Media Format would be illegal under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. And what exactly does the Digital Millennium Copyright Act do? It has several provisions. The one that's at issue here is this anti-circumvention provision, which, again, it was intended as a anti-piracy measure, but it had this effect of effectively giving companies control over their media platforms. So Apple now has the power to decide which companies' devices are allowed to play the songs that their customers purchase. And this is very different from in the past. Before the DMCA came into effect, there were a number of legal battles over these kinds of interoperability. For example, video game manufacturers would be sued by the makers of consoles like the Sega Genesis console and what the video game makers had done is reverse engineer the console in order to allow them to make compatible games, and the courts had upheld that as as not a violation of copyright law, as long as they're just using the reverse engineer to enable interoperability. And since the DMCA has been passed, that's changed. And in effect, if you have a platform like your Apple with iTunes or your Microsoft with Windows Media, you effectively can decide which companies can interoperate with your products and which can, and I think that has some serious anti-competitive effects. Was the case law prior to the passage of DMCA adequate to address the problem of copyright piracy? I think it was. The most important decision was the 1984 decision of Sony versus Universal, which held that devices are not copyright infringing. Well, it was over the VCR. Hollywood claimed that the VCR was an infringement of copyright because people could record movies without the permission of Hollywood and create a library. And what the Supreme Court held was that as long as there's a substantial non-infringing use to that technology, that it was not necessarily a violation of copyright or that Sony couldn't be held responsible. And I think that decision was a great boon for the technology industry because they could build all sorts of great gadgets like MP3 players and VCRs and CD players and so forth without worrying about, well, if somebody uses this technology to engage in copyright infringement, will I be liable? That principle that as long as you have a legitimate use for the technology that you're not liable for the illegitimate use, I think, was the cornerstone of the pre-DMCA copyright law around technology. And I think the DMCA turned that on its head, where if the technology has any illegitimate use, it's effectively illegal under the DMCA. If you enjoyed this program, consider subscribing to Cato Audio, a dynamic 60-minute monthly recording that brings you inside the Cato Institute for highlights from exceptional, one-of-a-kind lectures and events on key issues of the day presented by nationally known scholars, authors, and political leaders. Cato Audio is available on our website as well as on iTunes and audible.com.